Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the, what is today, the June 6th edition of the Connect Online Meeting. Um, it is so very good to be with you. Of course, my name is uh, Jonathan Jenkins, uh, and we are looking forward to a good program this evening. Uh, Eric is away for the night, so I can't say my co-host is with me tonight, but I'm sure we'll get him back here shortly. Uh, as you all know, he is uh, a little bit busy at the moment, dealing with a lot of things going on in his life, and uh, hopefully... Uh, Everything is okay with him this evening. I'm sure that it is. Otherwise, I'm pretty confident I would have heard from him today. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll press on without him this evening and try to do the best we can with it. Uh, we have Brother Phil Sanders with it, with us, and we'll get to Brother Phil here in just a moment. Always a privilege to have him on the program with us. Um, you know what I'm about to say. Uh, and uh, if you have not already, would you please take a second and make sure that you are subscribed or following all of our uh, different social media platforms. We are on several. We're on Facebook and YouTube and Rumble and Podbean and Locals and Patreon, all the all the places you'd expect. Uh, we're on all those different places. And if you are uh, not a member the, uh, at those different sites, uh, we would appreciate it if you would. Uh, it's a great way to find out about things going on here at Digital Bible Study uh, and a great way for us to stay in contact with you as well. So, uh, uh, please take a second to do that. And also, as we're getting started this evening, if you would hit that share button, uh, most of the platforms have some way of sharing the uh, either the video or the audio that you're currently engaged with. And uh, if you would share that either on your timeline or with a person or two that you uh, know might be interested in the material tonight, that would help us out greatly if you would consider it. Um, and as always, if you think the work here at Digital Bible Study is worth supporting, um, we try to say this once a month or so, and I haven't said it in a while. Just remember that we are not a we're not a church work. Uh, we don't raise money from churches. We try not to impact anybody's budget or anything like that. It's just two guys and a website. Eric and I just try to keep this thing running on our own. And uh, well, on our own, we have limited resources, so we could we could use your help to keep this thing running. Uh, and so, any way that you can support the work here, we appreciate uh, we appreciate it greatly. Uh, and you can do that with the stars and the super chats on Facebook and YouTube or the the, the coins over there on locals or Podbean, all kind of different ways you can do that if you would consider it. That would be great. Um, or if you want to be a subscriber to our, our our efforts here, there's two places. Well, technically three. You can do it on Patreon, but you can also do it locals and just by subscribing into our website. Uh, subscriptions on locals are $2 a month, and on the website, they're as little as $5 a month. So enough of the sales pitch there. If you'd consider helping us, we would appreciate it. Um, as always, we will say a prayer at the end of the night tonight, and we look forward to uh, taking your request uh, before uh, God this evening, whether that is a matter of praise or a matter of petition. We, we take all kinds around here, and we uh, look forward to being able to uh, uh, take the thoughts and concerns of the uh, Digital Bible Study family tonight uh, before the throne of God as we, uh, or well, before we dismiss for the night. Having said all that, that's our introduction. Let me turn our attention to our speaker uh, it is a privilege and an honor to have Brother Phil Sanders with us. Uh, Phil, how are you doing tonight? It's good to see you, man. I'm doing fine. Uh, life is good and God is good and things are well at uh, in search of the Lord's way. Uh, I'm in a very busy summer. I'm doing a lot of traveling. Uh, I've been in Florida, Ohio. Uh, this Later this week, I'll go to Georgia. And a week after that, to New Mexico. So I've, I'm in a pretty busy period of time and I was glad when you called this morning because you caught me. And if it weren't for, you know, me being a little freer tonight, I couldn't have been able to be with you. But I'm always thankful, Jonathan, to uh, support your program and to be a part of Digital Bible Study. 
I, I like what you do. And of course your family has been a great deal to me. And so yeah. I appreciate it very much, but, uh, search is doing very well. Um, our, our support is very strong and, uh, we just recently started uh, broadcasting in Canada in about six of the provinces. Uh, we go out to about 6 million households, uh, which translates into about 16 million people. And that's a lot of folks that are seeing our program. And, uh, for the first time since about, oh, middle of April. And I'm really excited about that. That is outstanding. You told me about that this morning and I was just, that's just great news to hear that the work there is expanding and that you, uh, have both the means and the opportunity to do it. Uh, that work has been, uh, uh, an integral portion of the, uh, um, media evangelism, if you want to call it that for the Lord's church for decades now. Uh, yeah, and we'll come up on 42 years in September. Two years. Yeah, have mercy. Uh, that is outstanding. That is, uh, uh, that's, that's incredible. And the work's going strong. It sounds like, and we are uh, very, uh, very strong, uh, maybe the strongest we've ever been. Fantastic. Um, just real quick. Uh, I see uh, Trish put a comment in there. Trish is one of our regulars, Phil. She's here pretty much every night. Uh, but she said, not sure that Brother Phil Sanders is aware of this fact. But just a few, few years ago, the In Search Of in the Gainesville market, along with the free CDs and DVDs, were the primary catalyst uh, for me returning to the Lord. Um, and that, oh, is, uh, that is great news. I'm thankful for that, Tricia. Thank you for letting me know. Yeah, yeah and she is one of our regulars. She is here every time we turn the cameras on, Phil. So uh, uh, y'all sparked something very strong in her. Yeah. Jonathan, uh, our work is more like yours. It's one of sowing seed. And uh, in a program like we have, we don't always get to see the harvest. And so when I hear of people like Tricia, and uh, I met a, a lady in Florida just two weeks ago who had mm -hmm. been watching the search program and studying with a man, and she was baptized when I went there for a gospel meeting. And uh, it was just such a thrill to, to meet her and have my picture taken with her. And then uh, before I left that very day, a lady came up to me and she was telling me about her husband who had come to the Lord because of in search and he passed away seven months ago. So he is now with the Lord, but fortunately he came to the Lord uh, because of search and to hear those kind of stories really mean a lot to me. Yeah. I know that, I know that that's why you do it is to make, make that impact. And we are, uh, thankful that you get the results that you are. And I know the people who have been impacted by you um, are as thankful as, uh, as you are as well. Um, great. Good to have you tonight, man. Uh, let's go ahead and get you started. Uh, we're already, already 10 after the hour and I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, your topic tonight, if I'm not mistaken, is the power of the gospel. Is that about right? That's right. Uh, we'll be looking at Romans 1, 14 to 17 in just a little bit. All right. Well, I will not take up any more of your time. We are um, waiting eagerly to hear the lesson. And so I will turn the room over to you. So go ahead and start preaching whenever you are ready. Uh, room is yours. Sounds good. Okay. We're looking at Romans chapter one, beginning in verse 14, where Paul says, I'm under obligation, both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. And so he says, thus for my part, I am eager. I'm ready uh, to preach the gospel to you uh, also who are in Rome. He had never been to Rome, as you might notice earlier in the chapter. And he wanted to go there. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, 
For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's an important point. That is God's power. He says, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. And so there's a lot of uh, dynamics in this, is feeling the obligation to preach to Jews and Greeks, to those who are wise and those who are foolish, uh, even to the barbarians. He wants to reach everyone. Uh, he wants them to know the gospel and to love the gospel the way he loves the gospel. In fact, earlier in the chapter, in chapter uh, this same chapter 1, verse 5, he talks about how God had made him, by his grace, a, an apostle, and uh, gave him that to bring about the obedience of faith. I think that's such an important phrase, and uh, the obedience of faith. It's anytime you look at the book of Romans and you see about someone who believes, we're not talking about just a mental agreement or assent. We're talking about someone who not only believes, but is willing to obey what he believes is going to stay with it. And uh, it's something that is deep in his heart. And we'll look at those kinds of phrases as time goes by. It's interesting that this phrase, obedience of the faith, is found in verse 5 at the beginning of the book. And you get to the end of the book in Romans 16, verses 26 and 7. And the phrase is there as well. Uh, if we were looking at Jewish literature, we would call that an inclusio. And that everything that comes between the beginning and the end is there with this idea of the obedience of faith. Now, the work of preaching is primarily trying to persuade men to believe in Jesus Christ and his teaching by telling the story of the gospel and getting them to be obedient to that. Uh, preaching is by its very nature persuasive. It consciously attempts to influence the behavior of the listener through the delivering of a message from God. And that's really what we're trying to do whenever we preach the gospel. And I sometimes think that some preachers have forgotten that their first and primary purpose is to persuade people to be obedient, to come to the Lord and to obey the Lord and to stay with the Lord. Those are things that are vital and very much important. Now, thankfully, some of the Romans had already been obedient to the faith. And they had become slaves of God. Now, Paul argued that people could decide whom they would serve and how they would live. And then you remember that Paul cited to the Romans, uh, the Romans themselves, uh, kind of feeding it back to them, that they were an example of people who could change their allegiance from sin to God. That's important. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 16, says, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were the slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form, that pattern, that standard of doctrine to which you were delivered, and having been set free from sin, you became the slaves of righteousness. 
Now here's a group of people who were slaves of sin, but they made a change. They made a great change in their lives by being obedient to a particular form of doctrine. They were obedient from the heart. They really meant what they did and they did what was right. A form of doctrine, a standard, a pattern says that they listened to what they were told and they did exactly what they were told. And so they obeyed and that led to their righteousness. When they obeyed from that, that form of doctrine, they were delivered from their sins. They were freed from it. No longer were they slaves of sin, but now God could make them slaves of righteousness. You know, this passage, as clearly as any passage in the Bible, ref reflects the idea that people can change. They can change. You don't have to be stuck in a life that's enslaved to sin. You can change if you want to. And if you're willing to be obedient from the heart and to do what God has said, God will free you and you can become a slave of righteousness. Boy, that is filled with lots of hope. And that's the purpose of the obedience of the faith. I think of 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 11, it says, knowing therefore the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. And then he says, but we're made manifest to God. And I hope that we're made manifest also in your consciences. Now, if there is a form and the gospel has that form, then and if that gospel is God's power to save, where does that power lie? How does that power work that makes a difference in people's lives? And I think perhaps we can best understand why the gospel is powerful when we understand the nature of the gospel. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, a very familiar passage as well, beginning in verse 1. And going through verse 5, I want us to spend a little time on this uh, uh, first two verses because I think there's something really powerful there about the gospel. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you. Now, the gospel is something that is preached and declared, it is filled with words, it is something that uh, is a message that is important. God declares something to us, and uh, it is preached to us. I really dislike it when people talk about people being preachy or uh, this or that. Uh, God doesn't look at preaching as something negative. And euangelizomai, to preach the gospel, is to preach good news. It is a blessing to everyone who hears it. But here is a gospel that was preached to you. And then he says, which also you received. Now to receive something is to accept it, to welcome it, to embrace it and take it in and to believe that it's true and to let it work in your life. And that's the purpose of it. Not only did they receive this, they also took their stand in it. In other words, they had to make a choice that would be unpopular with other people they took a stand. Now, if you were a monotheist believing in just one God in a world where everyone else was a pagan and a polytheist believing in many gods and looking at you, they looked at you as if you were strange 
and uh, you were not all there because you didn't recognize all the other gods. You would have been very much at odds with them, and it would not have been an easy thing for them to accept you. If you were going to be a Christian, you would have to take a stand. You would have to be the kind of person who says, this is what I believe because I believe it to be true, and I'm going to obey it, and I'm going to hold to it. And then he says also by which you are saved. It's only those who believe and hold to the gospel that are saved by it. And so they were saved by it. And then he says, if, if you hold fast that word, which I preached to you, it's not just a matter of taking it up for a day or two. There are a lot of people through the years that I have known that uh, they they believed and they were baptized and then they were gone. They didn't hold fast. You see, salvation is not to those who begin and then quit. Salvation is to those who stay with it and hold fast all the way to the end. And these people were willing to do that. And uh, he says, you hold fast to that word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. You see, their, their first faith would be in vain if they did not hold fast to the word. Now, it's not just a matter of believing Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It's a matter of believing what he teaches and practicing what he teaches. You know, remember, Jesus made the statement that we ought to teaching, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. I don't know of any commandment that a person can willfully disobey rebel against God and refuse to obey and still please the Lord. You just can't do that. It just doesn't happen. And so whenever we look at a passage like this, it really helps us to see how these people were going against the grain in the culture in which they live. And you know what? There are times when we have to go against the culture in which we live. We have to go against the grain. We have to stand fast for what we believe and know it to be true and not give up on it. And then he begins to say, here are the, the main things. He says, for I delivered, that is, I declared and, and preached, I delivered to you, I handed down to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again uh, the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, that's Peter, and then by the twelve. Now, there you have the core of the gospel. That is the death of Jesus for our sins, that he died so that we might have the forgiveness of sins. And that was according to the scriptures. Anyone who's ever read Psalm 22 or, or Isaiah 53 knows that the death and the suffering of Jesus was in order for him to bear our sins and to be able to pay uh, the price so that we could be free from sin. The, the Father laid upon him the iniquity of us all, and he died for us. Now that's an important thing. And that was according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day. Now, rising again from the dead would be pretty amazing. But when you think about all of the things that relate to his burial, it's even more amazing. But that he rose again the third day, that was according to the scriptures. And in Psalm 16 
and verse 10, you remember that his body did not undergo decay. Uh, neither did his spirit be abandoned to Hades, to that place where dead spirits go. So you have that kind of a situation taking place that what Jesus did was a part of what God had planned from the very beginning, that Jesus would have indeed done things according to the prophecies and fulfilled them. And he fulfilled his own prophecy. Now, if I prophesy that I'm going to Georgia on Thursday, uh, that's not such a big deal. I can, I can show up at the airport and that can happen. It's not any kind of miracle. But if I tell you that I'm going to rise from the dead and I'm going to do it on the third day, that's different. That's different. That's significant. And that I would be seen by people. Do you know that there were enough people who saw Jesus after he rose from the dead? Uh, there were more than 500 and the others that were listed, the men and the women and the apostles and others that if you put them all on a, a jury stand, let's say just 15 minutes each on a stand, do you know that for 15 minutes, just that amount of time, enough time to, to tell who they were and to prophesy, that it would take from Monday morning at 8 o'clock all the way through the end of the day, night and day, until Friday evening to interview all of the people who saw Jesus after he arose from the dead. If you think about that for very long, you recognize that for us living in these 21st century to deny the resurrection, they would have laughed at us. They would say, look, we all saw him. We know what we saw. We saw him. We heard him. We, in many cases, they touched him. In cases of others, they saw him eat fish and other things. Yes, they knew by many convincing proofs, Acts 1 verse 3, that Jesus had indeed, indeed risen from the dead. Now let's think about the power of the gospel. That's the basic thing that they took their stand on. And uh, what did it do? What kind of power did it work in their lives? If it's the power of God and the salvation, what did it do? Well, the gospel does a, a number of different things. And I'd like to think of it, and because the word power is in the singular and not the plural, he's not talking about the powers of the gospel, but rather the power of the gospel. That is, all the different things this one thing does. I'd like to mention them. It's kind of like the fruit of the Spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, and uh, the others, gentleness, uh, self-control. And of course, against such things, uh, there's no law. But all of those nine things, uh, and I mentioned eight, but there are nine, all of those nine things that uh, were done by the fruit of the Spirit, that is, the things the Spirit produces. And when you think about that aspect of it, you think about the various powers that are in the gospel. Number one, the power to produce faith. Romans 10, verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ or the word of God, depending on which version you have. I don't think we should ever uh, underestimate the power of God's word. And its primary source is not man, but God. And the word itself has a way of bringing faith, of uh, uh, verifying itself, of making sure that 
what we have read is true. And the more you study the word of God, the more convinced you will be that it is truly God's word. I think of the empty tomb. I think of the stone rolled away. I think of the grave clothes, the devotion of the disciples. All of these things give evidence that Jesus did indeed rise from the dead. The testimony of the disciples and their willingness to die for their faith speaks loudly that the gospel is true and you can believe it. Yes, we can place our faith and our souls into his hands. And that's a good thing. You remember John 20, verses 30 and 31 says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So that faith gives us life. So that's the first thing that we can talk about is that power to produce faith. But we already had mentioned a little bit, and I wanted to go a little farther, and that is the power of the truth. You know, something that is true is because it's true, powerful, very powerful. And I think sometimes we miss that point of, of the truth that is there, that whenever something is true, it rings with, with power. It's living and powerful in our lives. Truth um, makes us stop and think. And truth can prick the heart in a way that a lie will never do. Truth can convince the mind. And whenever it pricks the heart and convinces the mind, it persuades the will to believe and to obey. And so one of the things that makes the gospel powerful is the fact that it tells the truth. Now, truth tells what sinners most need to know in the most loving way. Truth can be painful at times, but no one can ignore it. You can't ignore the truth or it'll get you. Only the truth can give us hope and life. I think of 1 Peter 1, that we've purified our souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. And we do this in sincere love of the brethren. We love one another fervently with a pure heart. And we're born again, not of a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of grass, the grass withers, its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. So that first century gospel was a word, a message that would abide forever. And aren't you glad that it can still do after 2000 years, exactly what it did in the beginning. And we could hear it and it can make a difference in our lives. Now the truth about sin convicts hearts that sin will cause you to be lost. Whenever Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, he ended his sermon by saying, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. He pointed the finger at them, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And of course, Peter told them to repent and to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, and they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
You know, I fear sometimes that we expect to convert other people and only do it with a dry eyed response. I am very, very unhappy that I hear many times people offer an invitation and talk about faith and baptism, but not say much about repentance. Repentance is the hard part of obeying the gospel. And uh, we have to be honest with ourselves if we're ever going to repent. We have to be honest with ourselves. Godly sorrow is what brings about repentance. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. Now, the truth of his death and resurrection was so important. You see, Jesus, the Lord, gave proof of his resurrection to his disciples. And their faith in him came from the truth that he did convince them. There were his specific prophecies of his resurrection. And the convincing proofs of his resurrection led these disciples to speak with confidence as eyewitnesses. They stood side by side. All of them, we were eyewitnesses of his resurrection. God's revealed truth has the power to expose the fraudulent and the humanly manufactured traditions as not being real. The more one knows the Bible, the easier it is to detect the difference between what is scriptural and unscriptural, between what is valid and what is twisted and underhanded. Paul said, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 2. Now, knowing that faith and repentance are necessary before baptism rules out the baptism of infants and small children. Knowing that baptism is immersion rules out the practice of sprinkling and pouring. Knowing that the musical worship of the church is singing, one sees the error of going beyond the word to employ instruments. Yes, God gave us his word and it is true. And there is power in that truth. Number three, there is the power that is in the gospel that is the power of love. Oh, love provides us a tremendous vehicle to influence other people. Love strikes the heart with kindness and goodness. And love is able to move the will. The gospel is God's love message to sinful man, touching his heart, his life, and his soul. And the Lord Jesus said, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people, all men to myself. Now we believe because of the evidence and we lovingly convert because of his, lo his love for us. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. John 15, 13. We love him because he first loved us. 1 John 4, verse 19. I think of Romans 5, verses 6 to 8, and uh, all the way actually down to verse 10. And there is such a good part there that I think is so valuable. Uh, it says, for when we were without strength, that is when we were weak, that is we couldn't, we couldn't tend to ourselves. You see, you can't save yourself by yourself. You have to have help. 
when we were without strength, we couldn't find the, the way of the Lord on our own. We had to be taught. It says in due time that Christ died for the ungodly. You see, there were people who were ungodly, people who did not know the truth, people who had never heard of Jesus, people who didn't know anything about the cross or the resurrection. Jesus died for people even when they were ungodly. Now, you're probably hearing that word ungodly, and the first thing you think of somebody who is wicked. Wickedness is the result of being ungodly. But the meaning of ungodly to someone who is ungodly is somebody who never gave God a second thought. God's not part of his priorities. God is not important to him. And so because God is not important, he does whatever he wants to do. So ungodliness leads to wickedness. But ungodliness is the root of the problem. And so he says that Jesus died for those who were weak. And he died for those who were ungodly. He says, for scarcely a righteous, for a righteous man uh, will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now, uh, having uh, now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him, that is through Jesus. For if when we were enemies, have you ever thought of yourself as one time being an enemy of God? If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now, there are those four adjectives. First, we were weak, couldn't save ourselves. We were ungodly. We never really thought much about Jesus, never knew anything about the cross and the resurrection. Not only that, we had sinned against God and we were enemies of God. But he demonstrated his love towards us in sending his son who died for our sins. Nobody ever loved you like Jesus. Nobody ever died for your sins but Jesus and nobody else could. Then there is the power that is found in grace and forgiveness. Now, you and I have a conscience that nags us and accuses us. And I think few experiences in life are more miserable than a guilty conscience. Jeremiah wrote, for though you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, yet your iniquity is marked before me, says the Lord God. Je Jeremiah 2 and verse 22. You know, you, you have that nagging conscience when you've done something wrong, it's there. And it can really cause a lot of unhappiness for you, a lot of misery. And I'm thankful that by the blood of Christ, we can be reconciled to God, that we can be forgiven. You see, God wanted something better for you and me than a life that was enslaved to sin. He wanted something better than for us to have a guilty conscience all the time. He wanted something better than the kind of attitude that we never feel like we measure up. We want something, he wants something better. And so Titus 2 verse 11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age 
looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. I tell you, the Lord God wanted to transform your life, to make it in something so much better, so that you were not the kind of person that you would hate, but the kind of person that you could respect. Yes, the Lord God has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, Colossians 1, 13 to 14. So there is this power of grace and forgiveness. There's also the power of peace. You see, forgiveness, grace brings peace on the inside. The forgiveness of sins from God's perspective, but the peace from our own perspective. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We can have something that is peaceful in our lives, something that allows us to rest because we have hope and we have something that is uh, glory down the road rather than wrath. I tell you, a clean conscience brought about by the love and obedience to the gospel brings peace of heart and mind in ways that are far beyond anything else. Uh, sometimes people wonder, well, what does it mean to call upon the name of the Lord? That's found in Acts chapter 2. The need to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. How do we do that? Well, there is that phrase that appears again in Acts twenty-two sixteen which says, and now what are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Baptism is one of those times in which we call on his name. Yes, we call on the name of the Lord. Well, how does, how, how does baptism function like that? Now, some people think the only way you can call on the name of the Lord is by prayer. But I want you to, to think about this with me. There's a passage that you're familiar with that you may not have uh, thought about in a while, and that's 1 Peter 3, verse 21, uh, which talks about how baptism not only is the time of our salvation, but also brings about a good conscience. It says, corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God. Now, if you have a New American Standard or an ESV, uh, it will translate it not as answers the way King James does, but as an appeal. You see, baptism is when we have an appeal to God for what? For a good conscience. God works on the inside of our heart to give us a good conscience when we're baptized. And we have an appeal to it. Now, the King James folks uh, translated answer, but the idea is that God answers with it because you appealed to him for a good conscience. When did that take place? In baptism. Baptism is an appeal to God for a good conscience. So peace comes about by giving us a good conscience. And then there is the power that comes from hope. As a fish without water and a human without air, 
So the soul without hope is really in a desperate situation. First Timothy 1 1 says that Jesus is our hope. And without Jesus, we have no God, we have no hope. Ephesians 2 and verse 12. Now, hope is such an important thing uh, in our lives. Uh, you just have to have hope to be able to have any kind of security, any kind of thought that things will be better in, in the future. Hope is an understanding that we have. It is an act, it's an act of faith. It is a confidence that what we believe will come to be true. That's hope. That's hope. Uh, in, in Colossians 3, verses 1 to 4, and I'm speaking to those of you who are Christians, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Folks, that's our hope, that we will be with him that we will be able to go to heaven and live with him forever and ever. And we were raised up with Christ. And when did that take place? When we were baptized, we were buried with Christ and raised with Christ. Colossians 2, verse 12 and 13. And yes, that was an act of faith in the working of God. Baptism is something that God does to us. And the, the commandment to be baptized is a passive impairment, a commandment to let someone do something to you. You're not doing it. You're permitting someone to do it to you. You remember Jesus said to John the Baptist, you know, permit it at this time, you know, about his baptism. And John then baptized him. John did the work and Jesus uh, received the work that John did. And in the same way, that's a physical example, but in the same way, spiritually, God is the one who buries us with Christ, raises us with Christ. God is the one who adds us to his church. God is the one who washes away our sins, who forgives us, who gives us his grace and does all of these things for us. Someone says, oh, Phil, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. And I say to them in response, why are you interfering with the work of God? Mm. Think about that. Think about that. Now there is one last thing that I want us to see, and that is the power that comes in joy. Now we've talked about the power of faith, the power of truth, the power of love, uh, the power of grace and forgiveness, the power of peace and hope, and now the power that comes from joy. Oh, whenever we are forgiven, Whenever our sins are washed away, when we bear them no more, we can rejoice. I think of David whenever he sinned with Bathsheba, and then he had Uriah slaughtered in battle, and he felt he found uh, he felt rather the the sting of his conscience. David recognized the weight and the pain of unresolved sin in his life. Psalm 32, verses 3 and 4, When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Oh, my, the weight that was on him. But whenever 
Jonathan comes to talk to him and he repents of his sins and he admits it. We have Psalm 51 verses 8 to 12 that gives the result of this. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones that you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Psalm 51, 8-12. When I think about the eunuch who went on his way rejoicing, when I think about the people in the city of Samaria in Acts 8, that whenever Philip worked those miracles and he preached the gospel to them, and when they believed uh, the gospel of the kingdom and the testimony about Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women alike, and they were rejoicing because of it. I tell you, there is nothing in this whole world that is a greater blessing in your life than knowing you are right with the living God and that God loves you and he's going to take you home to live with him forever and ever. That, my friend, is the power of the gospel. I know that sometimes we have felt a little discouraged these days. The number of people who uh, call themselves nuns, that is, they have been called that, that is, people who are not affiliated in any religion has risen to 29% in this country. The number of people who are attending church on a regular basis, that is, at least once a month, has fallen from 70% in 1999 down to less than 50% today. Those are discouraging. Some of the people who have watched what's taken place in a lot of the churches have uh, suggested that we may lose as many as 15 to 20% because of the pandemic. I know that many of our older people have died and perhaps some of our younger ones, but a lot of people got used to not going to church and just quit altogether. Those are all discouraging things. And uh, I realize that, but I also know that there are times when God prunes his vines. And that's my opinion that maybe we've gone through a, a time of pruning and that the church is going to come out of this thing much stronger than it ever was before. I know that there is a fire for evangelism that is a little warmer today than I have seen it in years past. And I'm thankful for that. We are having the biggest response we've ever had to the preaching of the gospel at search. And I'm thankful for that. I do know that there is power in the gospel. And no matter what earthly circumstances may happen this way or that way, the gospel will keep on causing people to be born again, will cause people to have eternal life if they love it, if they trust it, if they obey it, and if they hold fast to it. I hope that you're holding fast to the words of God, that you'll not let anything come between you and God, that you'll hold fast to him, that you'll love him with your whole being, that you'll grow in your faith and in your hope, 
that you can find that peace of heart and mind and be people who love the Lord and love others. This is the time for us to be sharing the gospel with those who are weak, with those who are ungodly, with those who are sinners, and with those who are, yes, even enemies of God. Why? Because God loves them just like he loves you and me. Yes, he loves them that much. I hope that you are getting your own life right with God. It's pretty hard to reach out to others and try to bring them to common sense and to faithfulness and to righteousness if you aren't righteous yourself. You have to live what you believe if you're going to bring other people to the Lord. You have to be an example, and you have to fight the good fight to wear the armor of God because you're not just fighting for yourself. You're fighting for everybody who loves you and everybody who may watch you to know what is the right thing to do. If you're not a Christian, I beg you to become one. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Believe that gospel. Repent of your sins. Confess the name of Jesus before others and be baptized and let God transform your life. When you're baptized, God will forgive your sins, make you his child, make you an heir, give you a home in heaven. God will bless you, but you have to let him bless you. And if you're not a Christian, I beg you to become one. I beg you to love the Lord with everything that's inside of you and to do what is right. Maybe you're a Christian and you've relied too much on that video screen, maybe your TV, maybe YouTube, and you've quit going to church. Folks, you need what's on this YouTube screen, but you also need to look people in the eye. You also need a hug and a handshake and the fellowship. You need to be among brethren. You need to be among people that you love and who love you. I can't imagine not having a church family, and you need one too. Become a Christian and live the Christian life. And if there is some need that you have, I hope that you'll get a hold of Jonathan and Eric, that you'll talk with them or get a hold of the local person that's in your community, the preacher. In a faithful church of Christ, be careful. Don't go off into one that has left the truth. Stay with the truth. Get a hold of somebody and get your life right. Don't lose out on the greatest blessing you will ever have by absenting yourself from the Lord's church. You're cheating yourself. And you're cheating the church. You're cheating the Lord. And you may be cheating your families by staying home. Get back to church if you can. Now, I'm not talking to people who are shut in and can't go. I'm talking to people who can go and aren't. Get right with God. Get right with the church. Get back to church. Well, those are the things that I wanted to say tonight. And so let's end with a prayer.
Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the power of the gospel that makes a difference in our lives on the outside and on the inside. And Father, we're thankful for your wisdom that you could create a good news message that truly benefits us to the very core of our being and helps us in every way possible. Father, we're thankful for your love. We're thankful for your grace. We're thankful for the hope that you provide and the truth that is in your word. Father, we're thankful for Jonathan and for Eric and for all that they do. Bless them, Father. And bless each one who's studying with us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Phil, thank you, sir. Um, very thought-provoking. And I I couldn't help but uh, think as I was listening to you, as you're going through all the different points of that lesson, just how we talk about the power of the gospel, just how all-encompassing it is. Um, every need of humanity, uh, you know, the hope, the love, the grace, all the things you were talking about, it, ju it just encompasses every part of the soul, every part of the being. God's God's touch comes through the gospel to, mm -hmm. to every portion of human need. Um, you know, I think sometimes we get that passage in second Peter one, who talked about, he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And we focus on the revelation, which is, which we should, because that's obviously what is, you know, the core of what it's talking about there. But you, you think about how that revelation molds itself and, and just, um, folds into to, to, to the different layers of, of the personality, the human need. Um, it's one of the greatest, um, um, maybe not objective uh, indications of inspiration, but it certainly is one that, that on a maybe more subjective level is very, very practical, very powerful. And I thought you did a great job of uh, uh, highlighting just the, the, just the encompassing nature of tonight. I, I was very encouraged by it. Well, thank you. Sir. Thank you, sir. Uh, we have had several people uh, commenting about the, the search uh, uh, TV program. Um, you mentioned it all in some of the markets that you were in. Is there um, it, it, what is the way to uh, be able to watch that and maybe in an online setting if it's not in their market or if yeah, it's not on at a time there, they can there get are to it? Two ways they can watch it. One is through the the search website itself, which mm -hmm. is searchtv.org. And there is nearly, uh, there's two and a half years of programming up right now okay. on searchtv.org. But I think the best way and the quickest way uh, is probably through YouTube. We have our own YouTube channel, Search TV Ministry, all one word, okay. Search TV Ministry. Or you can put my name in and you can find it pretty quick. And uh, we have hundreds of videos that are there of, of the programs that have been shown. Uh, all of the series and many of the others that uh, are there. Um, we are in all 210 television markets. And if you have the Cowboy Channel or you have uh, News Nation, uh, they're in all 210 markets. And so wow. there is a, a presence. Of course, the further west you go, the the earlier it comes on. And so you have to have a something where you can record the program from that standpoint. Uh, the YouTube does not come out. Uh, the program for Sunday does not come out until Monday. It always right. comes out a day later, but you have all of the other things that you can watch on a variety of programs. We recently did a series on the afterlife. 
uh, and there were five of uh, five in that series and the little booklets that we send out that are free uh, has all five programs, but the month of April only had four Sundays. So we had to cut one and, uh, <laughs> but it has a tremendous, a tremendous amount of good information about what happens when this life is over. And some of the things that relate to that, we deal with uh, things like the judgment and uh, we deal with uh, heaven and several things. Of course, you can't say everything you want to say in, in a, a, a 20 minute period of time, which is about how much time I have to speak. Uh, you can't do everything you want to do, but uh, uh, we're thankful for what we can do. And uh, uh, it's making a difference. Even if it's just 20 minutes, it's making a difference. Yeah, well, it is. Um, it has been a blessing to the well to the church and obviously to the world as well as it has spread the gospel for, as you said, forty two years now. And uh, we yeah. do appreciate you, uh, not just for what you do in search, but uh, uh, I saw can, one of can, our one of can our. Can I give one more ahead. kind of little commercial type thing? It's not whatever really you want. Commercial, but, uh, <laughs> the Connect Conference is going to take place at Creve Hall in Nashville, Tennessee, July twenty seven to thirty. And uh, this is going to be about 50 speakers who are going to come. Uh, there's going to be all kinds of really exciting things. All of it is dealing with evangelism and how to evangelize people that you know and that you love. So let me encourage uh, everyone to think about it. If you cannot go, uh, it'll, be, it'll start on Wednesday night and it goes through on Saturday at noon. And if you cannot go, you can catch it online. But Jonathan, this would be something that if you can kind of help remind folks uh, during the time that you're not on, I don't want to take away from your time. Uh, there'll be several things. Uh, I'll be speaking, uh, I think, seven times during the Connect Conference. Wow. And uh, this is our second year to do it. And um, uh, I've been with it since the beginning. In fact, uh, a friend of mine named Alan Stevens and I began praying about something like this 20 years ago. And the pandemic opened up a door for it to happen. And it has been a huge, huge thing. About 15 or 20 churches are involved in it. And uh, it's a huge, huge thing that will make a difference. And I'm hoping the people all over the country will be a part of it. Well, uh, apparently you you and I and uh, Eric and the others had uh, the same name for our idea for the naming of something during the pandemic. So, Yeah. <laughs> Well, there were so many people who were discouraged because, you know, the numbers were not coming back and they were this and that. And what we wanted to do was to give everybody kind of a reminder, a shot in the arm. You know, if you're going to be successful, you have to not only convert the mind, you have to convert the heart. You have to give them the what and the why. And that's what's really important in, in converting anybody, bringing them to Jesus. And, um, when people ask me, well, what, what do you have? I have two tracks that I like to give together. One of them is called uh, your soul. And the other one is what must I do? And the, your soul is the why. And the, what must I do is the what, but together they are very powerful. And um, I urge people to, to, uh, if they're got a loved one that they're trying to reach, by the way, you can get copies of those online and e-file free just at our website, or uh, you can call the search office and they'll send it to you free. Okay. I'm glad you added that last bit. Cause I know somebody was about to ask, where do I get those? Where do I get those tracks? Yeah, so. the, the, <laughs> the number you can call is 1-800-321-8633. And uh, that's, that's how you get it. And 
course, you can download the transcripts uh, yourself if you want online at searchtv.org. Okay. And so wow. that's uh, that's the best way I know to, to do that. All right, Jonathan, I, I'm so thankful for you and Eric for what you do. And thank you for letting me be a little part of it from time to time. Well, we'd love to have you on anytime we can get you, sir. And we thank you for coming on tonight. Um, I'll let you go for the evening because we're already past the top of the hour here. So I need to start wrapping it up. But uh, okay. thank you for, for uh, coming on tonight. And uh, I said, we'll, we'll uh, um, talk to you about getting you back on here uh, just to, as soon as we can uh, work it back into the schedule, sir. It's always, always, always a so. pleasure and a privilege. Well, I feel the same way, Jonathan. You know how much I appreciate you and your family. Yes, sir. It is mutual. So thank you. Thank you once again. And we'll say good night to you. Uh, thank, thank you for coming on, Phil. Okay. God bless. That's one of the good ones right there. Phil Sanders. We are appreciative of Phil coming on and being with us tonight. Um, and just uh, generous with his time, generous with his efforts, not just we are with Connect. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's doing a great work with In Search Of, but I mean, Phil goes all over the country speaking, um, and he is in high demand for good reason. Uh, that is a man who is a very diligent, very well-studied, um, and very, I guess the word I, I like here is thoughtful uh, and serious, serious in, his, in his thinking about things and um, strong, committed to, to teaching the truth, but does it in a way that is not uh, ever hyperbolic, just gets right to the core of things. And it's just a great example that younger preachers could follow, uh, follow about how to do their work. And so we're thankful for him uh, being on with us here tonight. Um, let me turn our attention to the uh, prayer request that are in. I just saw, well, uh, two people, but three requests, request altogether. Uh, I promise you, before we started this connect thing, I could say the word request. I really could. I, apparently I can't any longer. Prayer request. That's what we're trying to say here. All righty. Um, Connie uh, mentions that uh, she is having a procedure on Thursday and uh, asking our prayers for that. Um, Angelina is asking prayers for two of her cousins, uh, Kenneth and Carl. Uh, their mother passed away recently, and so she's asking us to remember them in our prayers. Uh, and then also for uh, her daughter, Flo, uh, who, if everything goes well, will soon uh, be entering the army. So uh, we're going to pray for her as well. Uh, and those were all the ones that I saw. Um, and so uh, when I don't have a backup here to check me, I always like to pause just a minute to make sure that uh, I did catch everything. Um, and I'll try to wait here because it always, it, it well, it never fails. Uh, or it always happens, whichever side you want to look at it, right about the time. I say, that's it. Let's have a word of prayer. Somebody pops another one in there on me. So I'm going to wait just another couple of seconds here. And I'm not seeing anything, so I'm going to go ahead and call it. We're going to have a word of prayer here together. Uh, and remember Connie, uh, and then the two requests from uh, Angelina as well. So let's have a word of prayer together. Father, we are uh, thankful tonight, uh, thankful to be reminded about the power of your gospel uh, and all of the different ways that it can uh, challenge, soothe, encourage our souls. Uh, we are thankful that uh, your mind is uh, behind our creation and also behind our instruction through your word, and so that all of those things work together in harmony to uh, allow us to see you for who you are and to have an idea of the the goals that we should be striving for in our own lives. Uh, we're thankful for Phil 
and the way that he brought all of that to our attention tonight about the power of your word and the power it has to impact our lives. We are thankful uh, for all of those things. Uh, we're mindful tonight of Connie uh, and her upcoming procedure. We pray that uh, that can go well for her. Um, she can be comforted as needed in this time. Uh, also mindful tonight of Kenneth and Carl and the passing of their mother, uh, perhaps other family members as well that are being touched and impacted by that loss. Uh, we are uh, asking your favor be upon them and that their faith can be strengthened as needed. And uh, hopefully they can find some measure of peace in their time of loss uh, and can reflect on your goodness toward them in all things. Uh, we're also mindful for Flo, uh, Angelina's daughter, thankful for the decision that she has made to serve this country. We pray that that service will be done uh, in a way that is honorable and that she um, can live with uh, the kind of integrity that uh, should be a part of uh, uh, the armed forces at all times. But uh, above all things, we pray that she can be a person of faith and can reflect your glory in her service, uh, no matter what the circumstances uh, that she is placed in because of that uh, oath that she has taken to serve. Uh, we ask your blessings upon her and upon Angelina uh, in all of those, uh, all of the challenges and, and opportunities that they will face together. Again, we ask your blessings upon here at the work here at Digital Bible Study. Uh, we pray for Eric and his new uh, transition that he is going through, and we pray that all things are well with him. Um, we ask you to continue to help grow this work as we are faithful to you and to the degree that it is bringing glory to your name. It's through your son's name that we offer this prayer, uh, and amen. Okay, here, um, let me take one second and do the little refresh I always do on the Facebook side. I uh, did not see anything on the YouTube uh, channel tonight, and that's quite all right. Uh, let's see what we have on the Facebook side. I know we have at least a few things over here. Um, we have uh, Claudette with 200 stars. And we do appreciate that greatly, Claudette. And we have uh, Patsy with 200 stars. Thank you very much, uh, Patsy, for that as well. Thank you, two ladies, for helping out here. Uh, thank you to all who uh, continue to uh, help out the work here at Digital Bible Study night after night and uh, month after month through your uh, uh, subscriptions and so on. It, it helps out a great deal, allows us to uh, reward our speakers, <coughs> excuse me, for uh, the good work that they do here and uh, help out several uh, schools of preaching and ministry along the way and just allows us to keep the bit lights on and pay all the bills too. That always is very helpful. So we do greatly appreciate it. Uh, this work would not be able to continue in the way that it does uh, without your, uh, without your good, your good assistance to us. So never, never think that we take it for granted. We appreciate all that you do for us. Um, tomorrow morning, we will begin with from the deep end at eight o'clock. Um, we started a study of First Peter today in the second hour of the program. Just did the introduction. We'll start chapter one, verse one at nine o'clock tomorrow, but don't forget the first hour. If you have any Bible thoughts, Bible questions, you can bring those uh, uh, to the class at 8 a.m. Eastern time, and we will try to address those. So that's eight to 10. Uh, at the 10 o'clock hour, uh, we have Truth Tuesday. Um, and then in the 11 o'clock hour, we have another new show started last week, uh, uh, Tony Brewer and um, boy, the name Anthony Dismuke just popped into my brain. And Anthony Dismuke is not who was on that program. Aaron Dotson, that's who it is. Wow, I got the I got the vowel the the the, the initials right. A D. Wow, that was just a complete needle jump in the track real quick. There, that's an old album LP reference for those who may be younger. Um, 
but uh, Tony Brewer and Aaron Dotson will be on uh, uh, at 11 o'clock hour. Uh, Christianity Today, I think they're calling their program. And then don't forget Paul Mays, I believe, at uh, 1 o'clock on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, full day in the morning then. We almost have a full schedule all the way from, uh, just need one more program. I need someone to go from 11 to, from 12 to 1, and then we would have programming from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. Uh, on Tuesday morning. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? We could go 8 a.m. all the way to 2 p.m. That would just be awesome. Uh, anyway, um, guess I got some work to do to find me another program. But uh, all of that uh, happens Tuesday. And then, of course, we'll be back here tomorrow evening for the Connect meeting. Uh, off the top of my head, I believe it is Todd uh, Todd, uh, Todd Creighton from uh, Frisco, Texas, uh, is with us tomorrow. Um, and it's been a little while since he has been on, but we are looking forward to having him back with us. And I believe that is everything that we have. Uh, Connie, I didn't mean to say Central Time. If I did, I shouldn't have. When I give a time, it is normally uh, normally in the Eastern time zone is what I try to give. So uh, I'm starting at 8, 8, 8 a.m. Eastern, and then we go should go uh, from there forward. So anyway, I um, believe that is all that I have. Uh, hey, Christine, I hear you calling me Elmer Fudd. If that weren't true, I'd be really upset by that. <laughs> Prayer request. Prayer, prayer request. <laughs> if that weren't true, I'd have to yell at you. But I can't because it is. So I just have to laugh and move on. Uh, anyway, thank you all for tuning in. Look forward to being back with you tomorrow. As always, it is our prayer that you will go out and make your day a great one for God. Have a good night, everybody.